yes! <laughs> that is awesome! <laughs> Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 27. On this week's episode, we discuss problems that halt, how the Allies won, Shaitan, Call Morgorov and Matisyevich. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that comes to you from a secret location in the Las Vegas Valley. And as I promised, I actually have new people. That's right, you don't have to listen to the same boring old shit that Anthony and Nathan are bringing to you week in, week out these days. I got some new guys, but I do have a returning guest, and I will introduce him first. And that is the one, the only, the undergraduate, Christopher Bates. I'm still here. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really not that exciting, guys, is it? It's just, it's just not. Okay, and so now I get to introduce new people, which means I get to make up things about them. Which is always my famous part. Famous part? Favorite part. Wow, I'm not going to be able to speak very well tonight. And so, first, the shark. Brandon Metz. You going to say hello? What's up, bitches? Okay. Uh, I think he was putting on a voice there. Didn't quite sound like himself. Hey, what's up? <laughs> there, that, that's, that's a little better. And now... The man whose name I probably will not pronounce correctly, but I'm going to try, Juan Mariscal. Mariscal, that was very nice. Oh, you thank good. you. That's thank good. you. I, I was practicing. Lovely. I can Remember? Tell. That was like 20 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good use of wow. 20 seconds. Yeah, it was. And, and so since we have two new people, I'm not going to deal with much formality. We're going to get straight into the topic. And tonight we're taking Lovely. another trip down that lane that we love so much entitled Thought Experiment Street. Oh, yeah, that's right, Chris. If there was a sound of my mouth being agape, you would hear it right now. What? Yeah, well, Chris is just thinking back to Thought Experiment Land when we last visited there, which, uh, well, no, when we first visited. I'm sure you're thinking the first time when we were talking about the infinite monkeys. Or, no, infinite monkey theorem. There's a finite number of monkeys, just an infinite number of time. Now we're going to go down a slightly different road, and we're not going to have any fun animals, but we are going to have a very interesting problem, and that one has to do with halting. Silence. Silence? What the fuck yeah. is halting? <laughs> yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, am I the only person here who knows the halting problem? Halting. Yeah, oh, wait, oh with, with computers and wait. It's a I'm, computability problem, yes. Yeah, of course. Okay. So do you want to explain what it is? Go ahead, Juan. Hold on. Okay. What was okay? This problem. It was saying it was something about how you couldn't create an algorithm that would know that would. Hold on. Help me finish. Okay. So the halting problem is a problem that um, is the problem itself is stated as this: Is it possible 
to create a Turing machine, because and we're going to talk about this in terms of Turing machines. Mm-hmm. You can also talk in terms of registers and lambda calculus, any of the equivalent ways, but Turing machines are the easiest way of talking about it. Uh, to create a machine that is able to tell whether or not a given other machine will halt on a given input. Ah, uh, yes. So it's the halting problem. Now, this is a very important problem in the history of computation because this was the first problem ever proved to be undecidable. What does undecidable mean? There is no uh, algorithm that can do it. And I, I can sketch the proof to you quite quickly. So create a machine that accepts as its input the encoding, say, the binary encoding of a machine and mm-hmm. a string of input for that machine. Now, this other machine that's accepting these is going to uh, have essentially the following uh, it, it, executable. It's going to not halt if the machine halts on the, if the encoded machine halts on the string that you have as input, and it's going to halt if the machine does not halt. So then feed into it itself then <laughs> if the machine halts it machi- it means that the program does not halt and if mm-hmm. the machine does halt it means that the program does not halt sounds like a paradox which is exactly yes. it's a paradox it's a contradiction of itself so this is a machine <laughs> that shows that it you can never tell that it, whether or not it can halt because it's a machine that's telling whether or not machines can halt and if you give it itself as an input, it uh, spits out the opposite of, of what it's, supposed, of what to it's supposed to. It either won't halt if it does halt, which means if it does halt, it's not halting. But if it does halt, it means that it doesn't halt. And I can keep on saying yes, does and doesn't for a while what here. Does, what does halt look like? What do you mean? What does it like look in, like in a machine? Like if if you ask a machine to well, a, a machine. Uh, think of it as a computer program. Say. Um, a calculator, a calculation program, a binary addition program. You give it two binary strings and it outputs an answer. Or it tells you that it cannot do it. Both of those are halt states. It just means that the program ends. Jump complete. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, sorry, it's done. So it may yeah. not terminate. Yeah, if you, I mean, if, like, it may not give you an answer, but it terminates. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what the halting problem is saying is that you cannot create a program... That will say whether or not it terminates. That's what's whether or not any given program terminates. Any, okay. That you can't for all of them, you can't create because an it can't tell yeah. itself. No, I mean for programs that do halt, you can tell that they halt. Yeah, but you can never actually tell if a program doesn't halt because uh, it would a program that doesn't halt runs infinitely. Oh yeah, you, which you, means you usually that, can't tell, right? Because yeah, you, can't, you, you, you can't get pissed tell. off because you're sitting there looking at a computer. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, even from an, uh, I mean, say, say you just create one of these Turing machines and it it doesn't halt, but it could halt in the future. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, essentially, I mean, it sounds as though whether a, um, I mean, since this program, let's say it's not halting, or let's say it has not halted yet. Well, it's spitting out outputs, so you're getting a sequence of outputs, um, and if we look at this sequence, we could ask, well, is this, does this sequence, if we encode it up with, you know, as a real, does it, that number represent a rational number? Or does it represent an irrational well, number? Well, if it's, if it's not halting, it's going to, oh, I guess if it's a repeating sequence, then you could tell if it's 
a rational number. Is that what you're saying? Well, but if well, it's not the, halting, you well, can't the really Well, the thing is, the real numbers are undecidable. And there's a very, very simple proof for this. Uh, Turing machines are a special subset of something referred to as finite state automata, which is a you know, fancy word. We could go a little bit more into that, but it's, it's just uh, you have a read tape, a write tape, and you can change things, but you have to start at a certain point. But by finite state, it means that there are only finite states within the machine, and these states are the places that do the things. The program can run for an infinite number of time, and the tape where the read and write is on can be infinite but there's only a finite number of states, which means that there can mm -hmm. only be a countable number of Turing machines mm -hmm. because of uh, there's finite states. If there's only a countable number of Turing machines, that means uh, that there can only, you can only decide a countable amount of numbers. Is that what Nathan meant when he said the reals were, or most of the reals are uncountable, or, or, uh, uncomputable? Yeah, okay. it, uncomputable and undecidable are the same yeah. thing. And so most of the reals are not, and that's a simple proof. There's an uh, uncountable number of real numbers, countable number of Turing machines. Mm -hmm. Therefore, yeah. there's only a countable number of decidable numbers. And so, I mean, it, it's quite trivial to do that. But oddly enough, those numbers that are undecidable are very hard to predict because it's not, it, you can obviously decide any integer. Mm -hmm. that's that's trivial you just uh, count up you just essentially have a loop and you can count up any integer that's easy um but it's not just like it would seem that the more confusing the number is the harder it would be to computer the more likely it would be uncomputable but pi is a computable number hmm. there's a taylor series or you know you can just use a series to, to yeah i mean pi. you can use the archimedes method as well you have uh Ingon and in, uh, you have mm -hmm. Ingon described outside of the circle, Ingon yeah, described inside of the circle, and you carry them both on to infinite n, and you get infinitely close to pi. Mm -hmm. You know, using some other things. That's for circumference, obviously, but or no, mm -hmm. for area, because it's area inside the circle. But you can derive pi out of that quite easily because what's the area? Pi r squared. Yeah, or two pi yeah. r. Two pi r. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because it's pi r squared is circumference. Pi, and pi r squared is area. Area, area r squared. squared. Two pi r is the circumference. But two pi r. Yeah. But okay. yeah, the the area of a radius of one, or area of a circle with radius one pi. Yeah, and yeah, and so there you go. And so you can yeah. you can decide right. pi because you can use and you could solve for two the area Turing machines using that. And there is a theorem that says two Turing machines you can combine into a single Turing machine. That makes sense. But pi is a special number. It's one of the yeah. one of the very but it is a transcendental few. number, That's which true. which means that it is a you know I mean it's it's one of the class of non-algebraic numbers, mm -hmm. which uh, it cannot be the root of a polynomial with is it rational? Rational. Yeah, Chris, mm -hmm. you could have just said that into the mic instead of helping make me look smarter. I, I was going to draw a Q. <laughs> 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 the, you know, the ace of iron elements of Q. And <laughs> oh my God. You know, I've been dreaming about eigenvalues. Dreaming? Really? Yes. What kind of dreams? Uh, bad dreams. Decidable <laughs> dreams? <laughs> were they decidable? Uh, they were decidedly bad. <laughs> what's, in, what's an eigenvalue dream? Manifest itself as a, a nightmare. <laughs> well, I, explain this. I mean, I'm trying to. I don't know. I, I was. I was thinking about one of the problems that Anthony was working on, and he he introduced me to this thing, and I was thinking about it for a while, and then I, of course, thought, well, how would a physicist think about it? Well, first, the physicist would set pi equal to one, and, 
And then forget everything in between. <laughs> and then shoot himself because he's a physicist. Of course. I mean... So, so of course if, I was what do they say? If it doesn't work, it's physics? Is that what it is? Oh, 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 oh no, no, no. If it doesn't oh. work, it's Newtonian. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And if it stinks, that's it's right. Newton, Newton's a bastard. Yeah. It's green as <laughs> See, see I, uh, I pre-indoctrinated them into the uh, secret of, the, of getting on my good side in this podcast, which is, of course, hating on Newton. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about undecidability. Undecidability is, I mean, it's very important. It's also part of uh, Gödel's incompleteness theorem idea actually from the halting problem you can uh get a ba- a simpler version not as strong a version a weaker version essentially of the incompleteness theorem which uh it would essentially say it's, you need sound axioms instead of just axioms but that there are incomputable things and that's what mm-hmm. yeah girl's incompleteness theorem essentially is saying is that you can't it's incomplete nothing can be complete and so the basic definition of decidable is uh, something is decidable if there is an algorithm that can decide it. Okay, so we're mm-hmm, we're getting mm-hmm. circular and recursive. <laughs> um, but essentially it just means that there is a Turing machine that it's something is decidable if there is a Turing machine that can accept that as an input and uh, it gives a yes or no answer essentially as an output like it's mm-hmm. something can be decidable as yes decidable or no which is also referred to as recursive uh recursive and decidable in computational theory are actually the same thing and oddly enough i'm not reading this from the wikipedia <laughs> I, I actually i actually know this material this is a really weird situation i'm impressed i am i am no but but this impressed. this this isn't this isn't right all all these people who listen for me being a dumbass reading from wikipedia are going to be very <laughs> oh by the way you should visit our blog at combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com to catch links that i'm not actually reading from from for once and uh funny <laughs> pictures i'm sure to put up a picture of turing and now turing is the person who first completed a proof of this he obviously is Alan Math- uh, Matthias, I think it's Matthias Turing. That's really weird. I know his middle name. <laughs> Matthias or Matthias? Was uh, he German? I knew a German. <laughs> Just you don't know what ethnicity Alan Turing is? It's probably irrelevant. No, 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 God, it is not in the least bit irrelevant. Is Turing, there a story behind this? Or there's a huge amount of story behind Turing. Well, let's hear it. Alan Turing of, I believe, was he at Cambridge? I want to say he was at Cambridge. He's at Cambridge or Oxford, one of the two. Um, yeah, I know everybody from England was either <laughs> at Cambridge or Oxford. Maybe at King's College, maybe. Um, King's College? Uh, but no, Alan Turing was an Englishman and the father of computers. I mean, computing, computing theory he created. And uh, he was also one of the first people to do work and uh, the work that laid the groundwork for the creation of the ENIAC, which was the first digital ah, computer. Now yeah. And now Alan Turing was the man who created the machines that let us break the Enigma during World War II at Bletchley Park. Now, Sky- do you understand? Skynet. <laughs> Skynet. Back again. We Skynet. <laughs> So Alan Turing so he's is the going father to come of back. Sky- He's going to come back and help us defeat Skynet then? Is that you, what you said? You know, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if John Connor tried to send some people back to try to take out Alan Turing. It would be a shame, but you know, if he ended up being the father of Skynet. We may not even be having this conversation if that happens. 
He was not the father of Skynet because Skynet is fictional. Are you sure? Are you sure? Yes, yes, I'm How sure. How do you know? It was in a movie. Google said that it's Skynet. No, it didn't. Hold on, hold on. His 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 proof was it was in a movie. Is I mean we're not we're not gonna go against we're not gonna like try and get on him. About it was that? in it was in a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, what's wrong? You're, 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 right. Okay, wait, never mind. I I retract myself. my statement. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so Alan Turing, uh, you know, the Enigma code, which was the supposedly unbreakable machine uh, encryption scheme, uh, method that the Nazis were using during World War II. Now, he didn't actually crack it. He did crack many different crypto schemes that the Nazis were using, but he was the one who created the machines for Bletchley Park that were able to quickly decrypt Enigma messages. Without Alan Turing... Germany could have won. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All that silence. Yeah. Even and, without Russia okay. beating the shit out of him at the end? Yeah. Even, <laughs> even, <laughs> no, Russia crushed him. <laughs> yeah, even then. But without Alan Turing, it would have been possible for them possibly to take over England, which would have caused a lot of issues. Okay. And it allowed it. I mean, mm-hmm. we could read all of their messages. They couldn't read ours. We're sure about that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean it, those things are kind of, it's, it's kind of easy to go in and tell whether or not they were decrypted. I mean, there were some codes of ours that they could read, but we could read all of theirs, were they using except like- for one-time pad stuff, which was usually spy-related and not nearly mm-hmm. as important in the war because you have ma- knowing run. when their massive troop movements are a little bit more important than knowing who the uh, double agent in the midst is. I like in the, the end, it really is. I like the Rot 13. Rot 13 is just awesome. <laughs> yeah, so Rot, Rot 13 is fantastic. Uh, and so, but Alan Turing's story goes, uh, takes a bit of a downturn after that. Alan Turing was homosexual. And, and this plays a very important uh, part. He was arrested for it because it was still illegal in Britain at the time in the 50s, late 40s, early oh, 50s. Man. And this was just when digital computers were starting to come up. He is a very important figure, very important. He's laid all the groundwork for this new thing that was coming up, and he probably still had a lot of fantastic math in him as well. But he was persecuted and arrested, and he ended up dying from a cyanide apple. Uh, it, it is suggested that he did it himself, that it was a suicide, but if it was, it was a persecuted suicide, and there is still a train of thought that thinks that he did not put the cyanide in that apple. Doesn't cyanide occur that. naturally in uh, apple seeds? Yeah. Yeah, not enough to kill you. You have to eat thousands of apple seeds in a single sitting to die from cyanide. Maybe it was that, maybe it was that, uh, maybe it was that ugly witch, Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that it was the witch from fucking Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I think it makes a little more sense seeing a thousand apples, but... but That's a lot of apples. I don't think I you mean, can eat that one sitting enough I time to... Apple seats. Well, you'd have to eat a whole... Thousands I mean, I mean, of apples. So you apple could seats. Like, take a handful and... Ch- and like, yeah, but you, you would... I think, I think that you would throw up before you get the necessary amount that you would need to digest in order to get the, the, the cyanide. Thousands, the thousands of The guy apples. took a bite of an apple and died. I'm sure it was one bite. Well, it might have been two, but the apple okay. was still had... It was still there. Oh, it was an assassination. There was that blob in that episode of G.I. <laughs> Joe where the blob was just eating up city after city. And what they did was, I guess it was uh, some you know, luck or, or maybe someone figured out that cyanide would kill the, 
the the blob, and they they made it go across an orchard, and the, and it, it absorbed all the you know the apples in the orchard, and it actually ended up destroying the blob. Are you serious? Yes, yes. There was a GI Joe I episode. Look, I'm not I, sure. What I, I have to find is, this episode. Oh, nice. again. I'm yeah, have to watch yeah, the it. orchard, the orchard episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's amazing how science has so much applications in these in these shows. Or have you guys ever seen MacGyver? <laughs> that guy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Of course you've seen it. He's my idol. <laughs> that's oh, because yeah, that's Chris right. is the only one of us who was old enough to watch it when it was originally <laughs> on television. Well, no, I remember. Yeah. I was I was thinking. Uh, I was talking with Turing back in the day. I was like, you oh, know, man, you? it would be great if there was some character who could make stuff out of anything. <laughs> No, I'm not okay, so let's get back to decidability here. Oh, yeah. Undecidability. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's a bit of a mind frack, to, to be completely <laughs> honest, uh, to think that there are problems that cannot be decided. There's things out there. I mean, because we're mathematicians. Now, I don't know okay. about you guys, but one of the reasons I love math is because I can prove shit. Oh, yeah. Like, it's fantastic. True. It's the only thing, it's the only area of study that you can go in, find a solution, and then make it, in, and then, uh, you know, find it in such a way that nobody can say that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. there's no it's other undeniable science. logic. I mean. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's also what I really like about und- undecidability is that. There's you problems have, that you just can't. You There's can't no prove, way. But the fun, but the amazing fun part is that sometimes you can prove that you can't prove it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, it, <laughs> you know, that's a smack to, in the face to anyone else. You know, you could still say, hey, I know this and, you know, I can prove that I know this. And I can <laughs> prove, prove that you... couldn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you talking about? It's uber proof. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's still... It's Which still, is what the halting problem is, right? I mean... Yeah. There, I mean, there's a proof that you cannot decide the halting problem. I, yeah. I mean, I did the basic sketch of it. I've I've had to write that proof down on an exam before. I mean, okay. Uh, now, it, but still, I mean, can you th- it, let's let's think about problems that possibly could be undecidable. Are there I, free quarks? <laughs> you had to bring it to fucking physics. <laughs> just, Do you have this new button at hand? <laughs> yeah, just saying. Okay, Chris. <laughs> okay, back to the math talk. Yeah, let's 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 keep. <laughs> it is called combinations and permutations here, not <laughs> physics and fucking Newton. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I mean, the halting problem, obviously. Um, the whitehead problem apparently is another one. Now, this one I don't know. Anybody know the Whitehead problem? I haven't heard of it. Is it related no. to Clearasil? Okay. It's a group theory problem. Whitehead problem. It's a following question. Is every abelian group A with ex, uh, EXT AZ equals zero a free abelian group? With, with, with I the, have no idea what that I don't know says. what the last part is. Wait, what did <laughs> you say? EXT what? EXT uh, AZ. EXT of AZ. I don't even is know. Is it A slash Z or A backslash Z? A comma Z. Oh, it's Z sounds, being integers. It's something from algebraic EXT topology. EXT functor. EXT functor of homological algebra derived oh, functions okay. of nice. home functors. Yeah. Wow, this just sounds really dirty. You home <laughs> functor. <laughs> Careful, there may be children listening. <laughs> okay, no. so let's, let's not work. Okay, here's one that I actually know. The Kruskal tree theorem. Cruskal tree. Uh, a set of <laughs> finite trees over well quasi ordered set of labels is itself well quasi ordered. Now, are these apple trees? Are they cherry trees? What kind of trees? I'm 
I'm not even going to answer. <laughs> <laughs> are these finite I, trees? Are, are they graphs? That yeah, yeah, they're about? graphs. You said okay. they're finite. Oh. Uh, is it, it that uh, it has applications in computer science? Obviously, it's graph okay. theory. I mean, with the name Kruskal alone, pretty much gives mm-hmm. it away for the fact that it's graph theory. Uh, it has application computer science, and this I am reading from the Wikipedia. I'll make sure to link to this. Uh, is undecidable from piano axioms, but provable in set theory. So it's provable in ZFC, undecidable from piano. Wait, how does how is there a well-defined procedure for going from one axiomatic system to another? Like if you have a, a subset. Well, you don't you axioms. don't go from one to another. When you have different axiomatic systems, you just they're you, just you have, have different answers. Them. You're mm-hmm. you just state which axiomatic system you're in. Well, well, now piano is more general than ZFC because you don't have choice, obviously. And I mean. It, there's a couple other things you don't have in piano. I can't re- quite remember the difference from ZFC right now, but you definitely don't have choice. And that's, and that's the big one that might be the, the kicker. It usually is. Kicker, the course. choice is almost always the one that boots you over and be like, <laughs> hey, all of a sudden I can do this. Why? Oh, that's right, because I can choose something. Well, <laughs> axiom of choice is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not, you're not... I know some anti-axiom of choice people. Well, I think it's a good yeah. one. I think it allows it allows you to you know well the choice I mean, gosh, what else? I, it's hard to deal with other with other axiomatic sets where you don't have choice. Everything's got then you got to do everything. You got to do everything. Yeah, to show mean, that you, everything you be, for a universal statement. You got to show everything. Yeah, you have to but be with very choice, careful. You can be but generalized. You can you can be in a much weaker area where it will apply to more things if you don't use choice. If you don't use choice, you tend to apply to a larger amount of axiomatic systems because there aren't many that allow choice. Right. If you have two axiomatic systems, is is it decidable whether the, the two axiomatic systems are actually the same? You mean a, you mean a relation? That, uh, well, I mean, if you have, if you have two same? axiomatic systems, and of course you the axioms are written in some language, you know... Um, uh, I, but it, not, it might not be something intuitive. You know, it's just something, some language, and we describe these axioms in the one system, and 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 and, and it makes it's it's uh, you know it makes sense. And so we have a whole bunch of true statements within you know within that system. We have another system, another axiomatic system with its true statements. Is there a way to show that those two systems are actually the same axiomatic system, or isomorphic? I suppose. <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, I mean, of course you can show that two axiomatic systems are the same. I mean, that's the that's why I'm able to say that registers are the same as Turing machines are the same as the lambda calculus, because they all take certain axioms to be true. And you just show that the same things give you the same results in it for all they or you uh, prove the axioms from one system using the axioms from the other and do it in both directions. So it's an if and only if kind of situation. Is there a hierarchy that relates different axiomatic systems or is there no inheritance uh, whatsoever? We, we, like, don't, we don't have the right person in here right now. Uh, maybe, like I, maybe I will invite Dr. Douglas Burke back yeah. uh, for an episode later on. Actually, I, I'm, I'm sure Nathan would be very happy to be on another episode uh, with Dr. Burke. We like Dr. Dr. Burke is a friend of the podcast. Hey, Dr. Oh, Burke, nice. I think you listen every once in a while to this, so say hi to me next time you walk by. <laughs> I see him every day. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they, you can tell him we mentioned him on, yeah. on, on this episode. So episode, episode, I believe we're going to be on 27 for this one. So you can tell him episode 27 mentions his name. Perfect yeah, shout cube. out. Perfect yep. cube. <laughs> okay, so can someone tell me what a uh, Diophantine equation is? Isn't it the one of the form AX 
squared plus p equals some other kind of thing? Is a, it a is a squared it, no, plus b y squared equals some integers? Something like uh, that with I, a a with with all. I, I think I think you're being a bit. Uh, too specific. It's an it's an integer equation. Yeah, it's an it, indeterminate yes. <laughs> indeterminate polynomial equation that allows the variables to be oh, integers yeah. only. It, it, there's no quite. I mean, there's no uh, square exponents involved, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it turns out that I, mostly I'm just mentioning this specific undecidable problem oh. because I really want to try to say this person's name. <laughs> Yuri Mate. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go round two. <laughs> Yuri Matyasevich. Wow. Yeah. That is a fantastic name. Matyasevich. It's a fantastic name. A show that Hilbert's 10th uh, problem, which uh, posed, sought an algorithm that finds all the solutions of a Diophantine equation, cannot be solved. Oh. That's interesting. I haven't seen that one. So, I mean, it, it, I mean this is for a general Diophantine equation. That's so, for a general one, you cannot find all solutions. Is that right? Yep. It's unsolvable. Proved by Yuri Matyasevich. I mean, is a proof in there? Because that'd be... Uh, I'm, I'm sure... Well, it, I'm, I'm like sure it would well, I mean, be a countable amount. You would, would you, think would that you, you have could... to... Would you, ha you would really expect me to state something that is probably a very rigorous yeah, yeah. and oh, yeah, dense it's very proof. Rigorous. You yeah. know what this I don't know. I'm reading shit off Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> you know what this means, though, right? Um, string theory... <laughs> Sorry. What does it mean, Chris? String a mute button We're all a bunch of strings. <laughs> String theory relies... Okay, we're not listening <laughs> to that. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, it's no, 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 Chris. Chris string string theory, from what I've read, string theory relies in large, uh, in large amount on results from algebraic geometry. And, you know, the basic question in algebraic geometry is finding the set of zeros of polynomials. Is it? I know nothing about algebraic geometry. Well, no, I, because, I have to agree with Chris. It, because uh, I've, I've spoken before on this, and I hate geometry. I hate, okay. I hate algebra. <laughs> no, 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 I love algebra actually. Yeah. But, but I mean, if if there if there is this result, which there is, that says that we cannot, in general, solve, what was the question or what was the statement? Diophantine questions. If given yeah. a general Diophantine equation, we Wh which is just a general version, essentially, of uh, Fermat's last theorem as well. Right. Well, if we if our if our goal is to describe our reality using something that relies on you know answering questions about or from algebraic geometry, that question may in, in the end be undecidable. So we may not be able to determine the laws of, sorry, the laws of the universe, and the proof of that would be in this. <laughs> But see, but see, string theory, string theory is the cutting is, edge right is, now. It may not even be right. It it's may just not. saying. Let, let's let's talk about this in in a way that uh, mathematicians will understand. <laughs> uh, it's a theory, not a proof. <laughs> and so we don't have to talk about it. Yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> it's physics. That's all you need to know. Yeah, so let's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's physics where they try to do math and fail. Oh, I'm really sorry, all you physicists. I'm I'm just I'm just in a mood tonight. I love you all, everybody who's listening. And if you're a physicist and you're 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 hurt by what I'm saying about you right now, please email me or all of us at combinations and permutations. No, just Sam. Just send him at, at gmail.com, and I will make sure that it, whoever you wish to talk to, this, this is the thing. We run a very, very uh, important, uh, we, we view that you are all very important. We run our shop in a way that we view that you're all important. And if you want to converse with any of the guests on this, if you email us at combinations and permutations at gmail.com, I will personally make sure that your email gets to who you're addressing.
I will read it first and probably laugh a little bit. But that's because I laugh at everything. Okay, so let's, let's get Very back true. to undecidable things instead of things that are by their inherent nature undecidable. <laughs> Physics. Physics. <laughs> Physics equals undecidable. You well, can't prove it. Why don't you do a proof for us, Chris? So actually the axiom of choice is an undecidable statement in the Zeno-Frank axioms, not the Zeno-Frank with choice axioms. So just ZF, mm-hmm. it is an undecidable statement in ZF. You, you, you can neither prove nor disprove it in ZF. That's why they take it as an axiom oh, they, they in, for would have ZFC. To. It's yeah. the 10th one. Yeah. Because they had nine, and they were hoping that they could get choice. Mm-hmm. Well, that those. is what the C stands for. Yeah, ZFC. It's Xenofrank with choice. Well, if, if, you have, if you have a, a given axiomatic system, and then you have this other statement that you want to see if, if it's independent of the system that you have, is that question decidable? Kind of, uh, akin to the okay, uh, okay. The say that. Say that one more time. If you have a, if you have a given system of axioms, slow down. If, 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 you, <laughs> if you have a given <laughs> system. System of. Okay, given system of axioms. If you want to know whether uh, Euclid's fifth postulate is independent of the other four. They they tried that. It is. But I mean, how would you prove that? Well, they they try and they can't. It's not. They can't. The geometric axioms are uh, kind of independent of all the other axioms anyway, because. Set theory and geometry axioms aren't the they're same. Tol- yeah. They're totally different I mean things. That, I mean that in the general sense, though. If you have a given system of axioms... You, you just have, have to try to prove it. I'm sure you, you have could. to try and prove it with other axioms. But you can't... Like, if you want to show that Euclid's postulate isn't... Well, if you want to... Sh- the fifth postulate isn't an, a- an axiom, then you have to actually prove it from the ones previous to it. And, well, when they try to do that, they show... They couldn't figure out a way. It's been tried. Well, you have to yeah. show that when you add it's, the fifth... It's impossible from Euclid's other axioms. Right, things. from his other ones, which are, but of course, very ambigu- ambiguous in the first place. Ambiguous. If you, yeah. add the, if you add the fifth postulate in there, the question is, is this new... It's fifth axiom. The postulates were different. Does it change... You mean, does it change the whole system? Is it, is it, is it still yeah, consistent? Yeah, of course, of course it does, because the four axioms are used <clears throat> in... The other geometries, right? Where the parallel postulate or the fifth axiom is not used. We talked about this a few episodes ago, actually. Uh, you weren't here, Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you I'm bailed. Not, I believe. Not. I believe you actually bailed out on that. You know what? That deserves a mute. <laughs> That's three right, strikes. Back to the math, then. Good. Yeah, three right. strikes. We're we're done. Yeah, back to math. <laughs> Fuck geometry. Uh, <laughs> oh wait, no wait. Hey now. <laughs> okay, so so let's. Uh, let's get back to this. And so in, yeah. there's another set theory one that's very famous, and that's the continuum hypothesis, which when you're talking in set theory, you refer to as an independent, which means that oh, you, can't, yeah. you can't prove it. But it's the statement uh, in, uh, in set theory, the continuum hypothesis, I believe, yeah. states that Aleph 1 is the reals, which means that there is... And Aleph 1 is the first uncountable set, mm-hmm. uh, which means that there is nothing between the countables and the reals other than the yeah. fact that one's countable, one's uncountable. So you just, mm-hmm. it's the limit of the union of all countable yeah. sets. Yes, yes. yeah, the, the power set. Yeah. yeah, the power set of all countable. And, that, and the continuum hypothesis states that that is true. And, but it's as an independent thing and as an undecidable problem, depending on what your model is, it works in both ways (laughs) in set theory. You can have it, you can have it where Aleph one is smaller than the reals 
larger than the reels and the same size as the reels. <laughs> or no, not larger. It can't be larger because it's the smallest uncountable yeah. set. So it can't be the, but it can be the same size as the reels and larger than the reels. And since it's independent, since it's undecidable, you don't know yay or nay. You don't know zero or one of it. How does this yeah. manifest itself in light of other theorems that uh, might, or that you can, rely on those? Uh, I, once again, I don't. Are you a set? One of you set theorists? Well, um, you don't really make theories or theorems about real numbers and natural numbers. You make theorems about the sets, and you just the, what the continuum hypothesis is saying is that you have the natural numbers or the the cardinality of the natural numbers more general, and then the yeah. cardinality mm -hmm. of whatever is higher than the natural numbers, which we assume is the reals. But doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be the reals. Just yeah, we're just there working might be on, something between yeah. it. There might not, and both of them end up working within ZFC. Yeah, you you can do proofs assuming that it is true, and it works. You can do proofs assuming that it's not true, and it works. So you can kind of pick and choose when you make a model uh, in set theoretic terms. You just have to choose one. Mm -hmm. Do they put a topology on this continuum, or is it is it kind of independent of topology? <laughs> Uh, I don't. Uh, there was no top, no, no topology on the on the relation between these two. Yeah, no. But it is really interesting just to think like something might be there. I mean, who knows between so there the, may be some additional structure yeah. to it. Yeah, there might be more yeah. structure in our numbering, which is which is odd considering that we build the reals. I mean, in set theory, when you're building the number system. You build the natural numbers first, then you build the rationals, and then you using the rationals, you directly build the real numbers from them. Uh, you, I mean, you just you yeah. only need the rationals mm -hmm. to build the real numbers, which means that it would be really odd if there is a set of cardinality in between countable and, and the real numbers. We mm. would need some kind of, well, in order to do this, we might have to come up with some special operations that we have not come up with or used. Uh, well, we would just have to, to have a different axiomatic system. You can create an axiomatic system where the first uncountable set is the real numbers. That's been done. It's just mm. not the one that we base our thought of mathematics because we use mm. ZFC. Mm. I mean, that's what we use for mathematics is ZFC. Is, is a... Is it are certain sets constructible or? Yeah, that's the same question as decidable or undecidable. Mm -hmm. right. Literally the same. It's except instead of using Turing machines, you use registers. Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to construct this set, if there if there was a set that had cardinality less than the reals, but was but larger cardinality than than the integers, um, or the rationals or whatever, the same thing, um, would we be able to construct this this set? I guess is that what you, is that the the question then the the constructability question? No, no, it's it's just that no. question is undecidable. Whether or mm. not there's anything between countable and the reals is an undecidable question. It's been proven mm. to be such, given the axioms of ZFC. So this creates two, uh, in two um, consistent systems of axioms, where in one there is no such set of cardinality between the alpha zero and alpha one. I'm sorry, between the the, the mm -hmm. cardinality of the integers and the reals. And then another system where there, there is one, or there's at least one. Mm -hmm. hmm. And they're both consistent. Yeah, that's the crazy part. That's oh, I'm, I'm totally, I totally have another undecidable problem to read, but I have no idea what it means. So you can, can keep on talking while I look at this, but it's oh. just one that's going to be a lot of fun to say. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, what I like about the, the first thing that you mentioned was that 
we were talking about the halting problem in which we couldn't construct every... Um, we couldn't construct a machine that can tell you whether or not a program will yeah. halt on any given... Or any program will halt on any given input. But maybe, maybe it was a tangent, but we also went, we also went on to say that we couldn't construct every, every uncountable number. Yeah, we can, of course which, not. Yeah. yeah. Which, which, all right, you know, halting problem. All right, I'll give you that one. You know, no problem there. But then Diophantin comes along and says, all right, I'll tell you that we, we can create a proof that where you, you can't even figure out every countable number in the Diophantin equation. Now that's the that's the no no that, that was um, Matisiewicz. Oh, you Yuri, yeah, yeah. my boy Yuri. <laughs> yeah, of course Yuri. <laughs> Your boy, you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. How much you want to bet he knows uh, or he knew at one point Perelman, the guy who uh, <laughs> yeah, the Perelman, guy who did yes, who Poincaré. did Poincaré je- conjecture. Yeah, they, they seem like also they also the officially year. nominated by this podcast for stop podcasting yourselves, blo- or mathematical bloke. <laughs> explain that one I, I, off I air that. I'll, I'll explain okay. that off air G- continue 10-4 no but that and I think that's related to the this relationship between countability and uncountability is that I mean in the Diophantine equation you can't even you can create a proof to where you can't even find all the all positive solutions to a countable problem to where there's definitely countable solutions which is, you know, you would think you could create that some kind, kind of, of that is confusing. Some kind if of it's pattern. countable, you should be able to yeah. find. Yeah. If it's countable, there obviously is some pattern. Yeah. I mean, you, that's that's what it. Well, so I mean, there's a small it. enough amount. Mm. I mean, the cardinality yeah. is small enough that there should be a Turing yeah. machine, or there could be. Well, yeah. you could imagine taking right. the solutions to a one of these really bad Diophantine equations. Mm. Take take the uh, the solution set and code them up as a sequence of integers. Uh, and, and let's say that the se- I'm sorry, as a binary sequence, code this okay. up as a binary sequence, and in such a way that this binary sequence uh, ends up being uh, a, a sequence that represents an uncount an, an uncomputable real number. So in, in other words, we have this we have this Diophantine equation that we that is one of those really bad ones where we don't know if we have, where we cannot decide whether it has. What was what was the what was the Fermat's last theorem? There's there's one we can't decide it. Right. Obviously, we can't decide. If we had or no, of, no, we could decide. We there decided, is no answer. No, there's yeah. no answers yeah. above so the fourth degree. So that is decided. Yeah, that but, is decided. Okay. But if we had one of these really bad Diophantine equations, uh, you could imagine that the sequence of solutions, when you code it up, becomes one of the, uh, equivalent to one of those uncomputable reals. And oh, I see. So you're creating some kind of isomorphism between... Yes. between no, un- no, no, he's not. So we're just going to move on to another thing. I think he's attempting to. At least I was. At least he needs a little more. At least I thought I was. I, I decided no, no, it, that it, I was. It, 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 there can't be an isomorphism because the uh, coefficients of Diophantine equations have to be integers. Therefore, there's only a countable number of Diophantine equations. Therefore, sequences of solutions cannot be encoded to be isomorphic with the reals. No, I meant the, the sequences themselves, though, are... There's a countable number of countable equations. Oh no, I didn't countable mean I didn't mean I didn't mean countable iso- countable it's still countable. I didn't mean an isomorphism yeah. between the Diophantine equations and the reals. I meant uh, an isomorphism between the uh, the set of solutions to the the undecidable uh, undecidable Diophantine equations. Well, but we don't know which ones are undecidable. That that's one of the problems of it yes. is that but, but with with a countable um, well, I mean, every real number is just a countable number of 
uncountable digits. I mean, you know, yeah. pi is three point one four one five. You know, so on. So that that's uncountable because but, pi is 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 a transcendental, not a but, countable number. But it's you know, it's the first digit's three. You know, like yeah. decimal, and then yeah, one, yeah. then four. You know, just just a union of three, one, four, Speaking one. Speaking of pi, you know. if you're interested in hearing the <laughs> pi song by Hard and Firm, they gave us the rights Hard to that. Firm. They gave us the rights to that to use as our theme song from the other podcast in our family of podcasts, Strongly Connected Components. And you can find that <laughs> podcast at sccmathpodcast.blogspot.com. Okay, Juan. <laughs> Carry on. Oh, well, I, how can I top pie? I mean, especially the pie song. I mean, Unless you have E. I mean, yeah, but there's no like. Oh, are you an E guy? I don't um, know why. I, don't know. I, 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 I treat him equally. I'm a, I'm a fee guy myself. Oh, okay. What about no, Omega? No. Anyone here Omega? I think Omega, Omega can go to hell. Omega's not an actual number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is one. It has to, there's, there's a um. No, Omega. It has to do with computing. Okay. I, I okay. No. Exactly let, let, is, let, let, let's let uh Juan Mariscal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> continue. Did, did I, I fuck up your name that time? Oh no, it, it, it's still good. It's good. Okay. Yes. No, yeah. I get Mariscal a lot, and we, which is really not correct. That's well, I think that's, I think in my head until yeah. this point when I when I actually asked you. That's what that's it looks what like. I had, but yeah. Oh well, I'm a little sidetracked now, just with all this E and Omega talk, uh, which I think they can both go to hell. But <laughs> well, you know what? I t- you know what I say, Juan? <laughs> I think you need to shut it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. E, e sounds like something that that I mean. E, there's several natural sequences. All all natural numbers have a countable number of digits. They have to. I mean, uh, all uh, you said all numbers, or? all natural numbers, all natural numbers. Yes, oh, real, yes. Oh, but real all numbers. real numbers are also just a sequence, a countable sequence. No, no, of, they're not countable. Well, no, it's the not the reals themselves, but each individual number. Yeah, if you just look at the digits in pi, it's three point one four one five nine two six, and you know so on. So it's a sequence. It's an uncountable sequence of countable numbers. Yeah. Okay. We, you know, which which is what I think that uh, Chris was going on as far as yeah, that's that's true, but they're all countable. Which oh, yeah. you, you just run into a problem that you, you can't uh, create an isomorphism in that way because you can never get uh, the same cardinality. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk yeah. about this other problem. Okay, yeah. I'm excited oh, to hear yeah. what this okay. what it is. So Gregory Shatton, or Shaitan. Shaitan? Shaitan at C H A I T I N. I think it is. Yeah, shit. <laughs> uh, uh, he produced an undecidable statement in algorithmic information theory. You find that most undecidable statements are in information theory, algorithm theory, graph theory, because unde- undecidable and uncomputable, you know, they're very closely tied to the discrete math areas, which means that you're going to find a lot of computer science <laughs> math areas that are going to have these problems. And he proved completeness. Uh, proved another incompleteness theorem in algorithmic information theory. His theorem states that for any theory that can represent uh, arithmetic, so any theory that can represent arithmetic, there is an upper bound C such that no specific number can be proven in that theory to have, and this is the word I'm really looking forward to say, Kolmogorov complexity. Kolmogorov. You actually know this? Yeah, you don't know it? You haven't heard of Kolmogorov? No, I've never heard of Kolmogorov. Excellent book. Okay, oh. so right. that can be proven oh. in theory to have Kolmogorov complexity greater than C. So this is an equivalent statement to the incompleteness theorem. And Kolmogorov complexity uh, is... Uh, the It's a measure of computational resources needed to specify... 
the object. So uh, there is always an upper bound C on uh, it needed. Uh, there, there's an upper bound C so that you can always represent any number in this random arbitrary arith- arithmetic system using C resources. <laughs> <laughs> when they say C. Is C no C is some upper bound. Is it an integer? I would have, uh, well, it could be represented as an integer. It's an upper bound. So if you okay. give me any real number upper bound, I'll just pick an integer that is. I'll just give the ceiling of that upper bound. <laughs> when you said arithmetic, though, I mean I'm thinking. Do you mean arithmetic on? No, see the C can be from a different arithmetic than the arithmetic system that is being created. Because if it's an arithmetic system, there has to be an isomorphism between all other arithmetic systems. What's an arithmetic system? Is it a ring? An arithmetic system is, you know, uh, base 10, base 2, different ways of doing addition, but they all have to be equivalent. What are the op- do they have operations of addition? I don't fuck or? you. <laughs> That's number four. He is on. Oh, he's on channel it. number four too. So there's a certain. Uh, <laughs> there's certain meaning behind symmetry why you got muted. <laughs> yeah. No, it, no, Chris. I mean, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. An arithmetic system. We think of uh, you know our base ten system with addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and exponentiation. As which is just a you know derivative multiple. of multiplication anyway, um, as that is an arithmetic system. Now any other arithmetic system has to be able to do the same thing, and so I mean there has to be some sort of any operation that we can do in ours, someone else could do in theirs. It that has to be true unless they're working off a radically different axiomatic system than we are. But, I mean, the basic addition principles of our arithmetic system works in a shitload of different axiomatic systems. You, you would have to have a really weird one. Like, uh, ceiling fan is God. It's axiom number one. Axiom oh, number no, two. I like that one. <laughs> axiom number two, I can do anything with anything that I want. Whoa. Which means P equals NP but doesn't equal P. P doesn't equal itself <laughs> in my axiomatic system because I claim so because I can do anything that Thank I want. Thank God it's not his axiomatic system we're using. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I, w- I would love that. I would be the most published mathematician in the world <laughs> because anything that I say is law. Except there is that axiom zero? <laughs> except there may not no, that's be axiom two, oddly enough. Axiom oh, one, okay, remember, okay. ceiling fan is God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. I absolutely forgot. But there I'll may go not, back to my corner. There may not be enough resources <laughs> on the planet to publish your paper. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we I hate all of you. Uncountable <laughs> number of resources. You, you know, no, 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 no. Remember, there's an upper bound in <laughs> oh, any arithmetic yeah. system. Oh, yeah. That is fascinating. That is really fascinating. Well, thank you very much. I'm so <laughs> glad that you found this Wikipedia thing I'm reading so fascinating. Can so, you send me that link? You can go to combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com where I will put up a link to the article I am currently reading from. <laughs> now, that's so, recursive so right there. Cal, uh, who's this guy, Cal? Come, come come more call, you know, no, no, I've not heard. You yeah, have to explain heard. to me who... I, I, I don't know much about I have heard the name, but I don't know. I really don't know anything about him. Maybe you can look it up on Wikipedia. No. <laughs> uh, but I have heard of Kamogorov. It, it shows up in a lot of different places. 
I, I believe it shows up in probability a lot, and a lot of in, in a lot of stochastic processes. I think he's right. Oh, so he was a fucking statistician. He's well, not necessarily. No yeah. wonder I not, haven't not heard of him. Right? Go, not necessarily. Yes. Sti- stochastic processes don't always um, equate to you know statistical processes. I mean, a simple stochastic process like a Markov chain that applies to linear algebra right there. I mean, like that's a huge application of that. So, sure, it does. Well, okay. come on. You don't remember from linear algebra? But, I have I mean, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but it does. He, he shows up. It sh- the name shows up in a lot of places. I think it even shows up in topology somewhere. He's Russian. Yes. And really? You couldn't guess that? <laughs> Good job, Chris. <laughs> but I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look it up myself. Oh, see, I just remembered. Uh, he was a Russian oh, well, born sorry, in April 25th, 1903, oh, lived until October 20th, 1987. A Soviet-Russian <laughs> uh, mathematician preeminent in the 20th century, he advanced various scientific fields, among them probability theory, topology, and... T- oh, man, I am in- awesome. <laughs> into intuitionistic logic. I have no idea what the fuck that intuitionistic is. Intuitionistic logic, turbulence, <laughs> classic mechanics, and computational complexity. And I really seriously just remembered all of that. <laughs> Oh, wow, you're good. You are so Intuitionist good. logic or con- constructivist logic, I just remembered this as well, <laughs> is the symbolic logic system originally developed by, of course, Aaron Hating to provide a formal basis for Breuer's program of intuitionism. The system preserves justification rather than truth across oh, yeah. transformations yielding uh, derived propositions. And, of course, uh, Aaron Hating... Uh, was a Dutch mathematician and logician from May 9th, 1898 to July 9th, 1980. He was a student of Brewer, Brewer who, who we just mentioned, <laughs> who, of course, once again, set, uh, February 27th, 1881 to December 20th, 1966, <laughs> usually cited as L.E.J. Brewer instead of uh, Lutzen Egbertus Jean Brewer. Why would you but not no say that one, instead? That no sounds so much more hardcore. To his friends as Bertus. He was what? he was a du- he was a Dutch mathematician and philosopher and a graduate of the University of Amsterdam who worked in topology, set theory, measure theory, and complex Wait, they analysis. have they have a university in Amsterdam? <laughs> I oh man, I didn't have any other links to follow <laughs> from that. I am I'm applying there. You know, if, if a- I, to Amsterdam? Yeah, well not not to the school. I just, I'll be a janitor there. I don't care. Are you go little hunting then? <laughs> oh yeah. In Amsterdam. Could you imagine working at a univer- at the University of Amsterdam? I yeah, I imagine it's a lot of straight laced people. No, <laughs> and they're all puritanical in their nature. Totally, totally opposite from the regular population of Amsterdam. Now, I bet the regular population of Amsterdam well, is also pop- rather it's just normal. It's yeah. the tourists that are the fucked up crazy. Oh, just ones. saying, you know this personal experience? Well, no, no, no. Did actually, you, I you? had this one friend who actually wants to. Oh go yeah, to yeah, Amsterdam. this this friend. <laughs> <laughs> it was a friend. I swear, I'm. Uh, I've known yeah, yeah, yeah. Europe. <laughs> they have strobe lights in the airport. They have in strobe lights everywhere. I went to. I went. I was. I was at the airport uh, some years ago, and uh, in Amsterdam, and it was a connecting flight. You know, so you Germany. were in Amsterdam. Well, I'm sure it was a connecting flight. Yeah, that that. Yeah. <laughs> They, they were playing right, the Flintstones. Right, right. <laughs> As music with strobe lights. Was <laughs> okay, I'm very sorry, but we're going to have to call this an episode now. <laughs> 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 for for Brendan. 
Strobe light party. For Brendan, Juan, and Chris. Brandon. I, yeah, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. Brandon. I'm sorry. I was just trying to interrupt you at that point. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> uh, okay. No, no. It's, it's, I, think, I think we've probably covered as much as we're going to do. We're just going to devolve into conversations about Flintstones at this point. So in order to keep this, keep this making sense, for Brandon. Thank you. Juan. Yep. And Chris. Decidedly. <laughs> I want to tell you that they really want you. As a matter of fact, they cry when you do not visit combinationsandpermutations.blogspot.com to catch the links to things that we talked about in today's episode. And they're all about to commit suicide unless you send an email to combinationsandpermutations at gmail.com. And from all of them and myself, your host, Samuel Hansen, I hope everyone has a matherific week. <laughs>